Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of When Women Speak with Shirley Kay, sponsored by Life on Power in the brand, What If She Knew She Was Powerful. Every week, we take ordinary people who have extraordinary experiences, and we talk about finding, leading, and leaving with our voices. Y'all know what I'm about to say. We have another fire guest on the When Women Speak with Shirley K podcast and web series. Yes, I stand every week because that's the only guest that's allowed to sit in this seat. Today we have April D. Graham. Let me just tell you a little bit about April. April worked over 20 years at Miami-Dade Public Schools and she left. She resigned as an assistant principal to open up her own preschool. Ms. Graham has had her share of obstacles and she has persevered through many hardships. In fact, those who know her inquire about the possibility of her success, considering the odds that were already stacked against her. She didn't have parents that went to college, so she became a first-generation college student. Ms. Graham is the CEO of America's Leading Ladies Academy. I'm going to say that again for y'all. She is the CEO of America's Leading Ladies Academy. It is a nonprofit 501c3 and designation and owner. She's also the owner of Levolution Coaching Program. But get this. This is how she coaches her ladies. In her coaching program, she has proven success strategies. Her no-nonsense, no excuses, and won't take no for an answer approach to helping you break free has empowered so many ladies. <laughs> you heard me say first college graduate, right? Ms. Graham has four college degrees. She owns and operates a successful childcare business. She is a John Maxwell coach and a best-selling author, and she has tons of recognition and distinction. April D. Graham, welcome to the podcast where women speak with Shirley Kay. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad you got you got the opportunity to make it. And let's let's be clear, audience. I suspect that this is going to be an extraordinary conversation because it took April and I months to get together when it came to getting our schedules together. So we about to dig in, April. So we'll start with our first inquiry. When women speak, Shirley K, we talk about finding, um, leading, and leading with our voices. But April, tell me, what does the statement mean for you when you hear the statement, find her voice? Oh, Shirley, that, that statement is so uh, paramount for me because I was one that did not have a voice. Or should I say my voice was silenced? I, I'm going to say that. It was silenced. Um, I grew up in, in um, abuse, unfortunately. And so, you know, when you're abused, you're told, you're taught, 
you are uh, encouraged to speak up. Am I correct? You know, yes. our parents say, you know, if somebody do anything to you, you ought to speak up. You ought to tell somebody. Well, I did just that. Someone was abusing me and um, I spoke up and it was basically pushed under the rug. And then I was, I was the one made to be, uh, I was chastised. As a young girl, um, I've always been a very curvy girl. And so um, the mother of the abuser had said to me, well, maybe you shouldn't wear shorts around him. And maybe you shouldn't do this around him. And then don't say that he's abusing. April, you knew your voice. You were told that you had a voice. Like you grew up. And what, what I heard is that you were told you had a voice. Then you used your voice and your voice was silent. Silence. Yeah. Like many families, uh, things that goes on in families, you know, it's not talked about especially in uh, some of our communities, it's not talked about. So what that does is, and uh, it takes away your voice. And um, being in, you know, a school administrator and been in the school system for so many years, I also encountered that with a lot of girls I walked away, you know. A lot of girls would share things with you. And then when you, when you ask them, you tell your mom, yeah, but she didn't do anything. So I don't even bother to say anything. So they, they get a voice, but then it's silence. And so it causes some of us not to ever use that voice again. But then those of us who understand that power, those of us who you know, are rebirthed, and those of us who get into purpose, we understand that we get another shot at having our voice, and then we use it, and then they can't shut us up. <laughs> Did you all hear that? She said we get another shot at having our voice, and then they can't shut us up, because by the time we get another shot, Man, we got a whole lot of experiences. We have a whole lot of life experiences under our belt. You won't be able to shut us up. And uh, did you hear the bio? Why don't we go back to her bio? I don't know if everyone caught this or remembered this. Right? She left out the 20 plus years to begin a preschool. But although we would never have once able to go through what she went through as a child, she is the catalyst that understands what those girls were going through that she was assigned to in the public school. This, the, I'm, I told y'all, this is going to be an extra, a, extraordinary conversation. And for, thank you for sharing authentically. This is what this show does, because that's the only way that we can help the one person that's going to hear this podcast. Wow, everybody. That first question was loaded, and we got a lot out of it. And so I'm going to ask you, so you just described, even as a child, how you were silenced. And we would call that a voiceless experience. What I would like for you to share is a voiceless experience that you experienced. Like after that happened, even as an adult, you it happened to remember that you had a voice. Describe that to the person listening that says, you know, well, yeah, that happened to me. And I figured out that I have a voice, but what does that but feel like? What is that experience of the but in a voiceless experience? Uh, well, for me, it felt like, um, like I said, getting another opportunity. That voiceless experience, unfortunately, carries into our adulthood. You know, a voiceless child becomes a voiceless adult. And whether we accept it or not, we do it indirectly. Meaning we allow people to take advantage of us. Uh, we allow spouses to abuse us. We allow ourselves to stay in toxic 
relationship situations. And so you become voiceless, whether you do it, you know, consciously or subconsciously. And so um, just regaining that power again, which comes from doing the work, which comes from understanding that you are allowed to speak up, it means that you get another chance to have that opportunity to be heard, basically. And so as women, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us aren't doing it. We sit into situations and uh, that has taken, you know, that continues to hurt us year after year after year. And it's like, okay, you, you are allowed to grow now. You're an adult now. You know, it can't happen to you again. You don't, you don't have, uh, you, you get to speak up now. You get to move yourself out of that situation. You get to say how you feel now. And so use your voice and do what you need to do for you. I heard a little bit that, of that no nonsense you were talking about in your bio just now, April. I heard just a little bit of it. You say you get to. And that's, those two words are critical. I say those often um, instead of you can, you will, you have, you get to. You still are here and you still have that voice and you get to. You said um, do the work. Can you unpack that a little bit? What is the work, April? Oh, the work is so, it's layered, Shirley. And I talk about this in my book. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, I'm here today, I believe my purpose is, is to help women evolve. Because what I've learned is a lot of us talk about leveling up, right? But what God spoke to me was, but we're not evolving. See, leveling up, that can happen I can level you up in five minutes. If I get you a new car, if I put you, take you out of a, a Mazda and put you in a Mercedes, you've leveled up. But if I put you in a Mercedes and you don't understand that you can only go to the Mercedes dealer for your oil changes, you have not evolved, okay? And so doing the work means evolving, allowing yourself to heal. That's number one. Allowing yourself to forgive, number two. And then allowing yourself to love you in all your glory whatever, then that means accepting your flaws and all. And then showing grace to others because just like you are working progress, others are too. So allowing, having a voice and going through the process means evolving, doing the work, getting to know who you are first so that you can understand how you show up in everybody else's life. Evolving. What I heard that evolving is not about things. It's about your things who you are and your inner self, which is why often folks get it misconstrued. They are successful in their career, business, even financially, and they don't realize that they're still voiceless because they haven't evolved. Exactly. Exactly. The work starts with healing. And it to me, it's important that you said healing before you said forgive. And the reason why that's important to me is that in order to be able to give fully and wholeheartedly, there is some type of healing that needs to take place. Alice, uh, you may say, a person may say, yes, I forgive you. But they really don't have any connotation of that until they really got into a place where they have healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me share uh, with you a story about that. How yeah. that point. Uh, my mother, uh, thank God she's delivered now, but my mom was on drugs when I was growing up. And 
addict, uh, my sister and I, we kind of suffered some things. And uh, my mom had a massive heart attack. I was the only sibling at the time that was even considered taking her in. And so we'll have the, I was, I had the opportunity, you know, I had a stable home, I had a husband. And so um, they were like, you're going to take her in it, but I had not forgiven her yet. So I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, take her into my house. But after doing the work, after, after um, healing myself first, and first it took a conversation with her and then a conversation with myself. And then um, of course, seeking God and praying about it. And I learned that I had a lot of things that I needed to heal from. I needed to heal from that uh, I, she wasn't there. I needed to heal from she was an addict and she did what addicts do, you know? I needed to heal from a lot of things that had happened in my past in order for me to forgive her and then to allow her in my space. And so um, that part is so important because you can say, like you mentioned before, you can say, I forgive you five times, five, 500 times. But if you have not done the work to forgive, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be year after year, find yourself still in a place of uh, unhappiness, still in a place of feeling defeated, still in a place of feeling like this person still has the power to hurt you. Forgiveness is real work. Forgiveness is so, it's raw, you know? Uh, my ex-husband, when I, he, he had an affair and I left him, you know, I said to myself, when I was able to see him with another woman and was genuinely happy for him, I knew I had reached forgiveness. But I had to do the work to get to that point, you know? So it's important to heal yourself first so then you can wish your ex well, you know, so you can help your mom and not feel like, you know, it's a burden for you. you got to forgive or heal yourself first. Then you get to forgive and do the work of moving forward. Then you get to forgive and you move your work and, and moving forward. So we heal, we forgive, we love ourselves. And then April just talked about you know, the, the experience with her mom and needing to come to her house. And, I've, and she actually said no initially. And, and but her, she was the only, was the only place her mom could go. And she talked about seeing her ex who had cheated on her with someone else and being, uh, being okay with that, being happy for him. That's that grace. That's that last thing that April said. That's the grace. But it starts with healing. And oftentimes we walk around unhealed and don't know that we're unhealed because we're so familiar with what it feels like to be unhealed. That's why on my show, um, the guests that are called to this show, you hear them talk about those substances a lot. And April did the same thing. She talked about how God helped her through that. Mm -hmm. And that part of that is, I like to say, God in therapy, those two things work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a process and that's why I call it evolving. And that's why the name of my company is Levolution because it's leveling up coupled with evolution, evolving. Uh, it's a cycle. You go through cycles in life. And notice when you see people who are stuck, that's because they're refusing to go through their cycles. They're refusing to go through their cycles of number one, doing their own self-work. Number two, forgiving. Number three, showing in grace, you know, they, they're not do, going through the, the levels of evolution. It's a process. You can't go from healing to succeeding. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> in between that's going to keep you at success, you know, and that's why I tell you my tagline is leveling up gets you there, 
but evolving is what keeps you there. You got to go through your cycles. You got to do your work. Go through your cycles, mm-hmm. which is exactly what evolution is. You can't level up without evolution. And, and again, going through your cycles means you missed something. Being stuck really is that person. And for the person listening, it's the person that overall, you may not have a lot of challenges, but you feel stuck because you know there's more in you. You know that there's more to do. So you go a certain to a certain level and you stay there. And then you try something else, right? Because since that didn't work fully, ah, maybe that wasn't for me. That person tried something else. They go to a certain level and they stay right there. Oh, now let me try something else. That's what that that's an example of what that looks like. Exactly. April. Thank you for your contribution. I told y'all this is a fire conversation. All right, guests, give us the goods in the good, good when they come through here. Mm-hmm. April, why should the voices of women in the values of women even matter? Oh, because we are in every part of life. You know, we exist in homes. We exist at work. We exist in the church. We exist in the community. We are everywhere. We are you know, it's like, how can you, you can't do life without us. We bring, we, we bring the life. So our voices matter because we show up in every aspect, you know, and we are so important to our communities. We are so important to our homes. We are so important to the jobs that we're in and the churches that we serve, that our voices must be heard. And that's why uh, it must be heard because and we have to do it through the lens of doing the work. Right? Because people, voices are heard every day, Shirley. Here's the thing women speak every day. But sometimes women speak from their, from wherever they are. You know, women, some women speak when they're hurt. And they say things, you know, we've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. You know, some women speak from their own experience. So it's so important for women to speak because our voices are attacked. You know, there are others who are going to benefit and prosper and some get set free because of our voices. And so we have to be heard. It's, it's like it is impossible because we show up in every area of life. It is impossible for us not to be heard. She said in the beginning, we bring the life. You said we are April and you gave so much value to the woman listening to this because every time you said we are you told her what she was. Now you're going to make me get a bunch of women together and we're going to do a We Are campaign because that was powerful, April. Absolutely. We are life. You know, we are homes. We are communities. We are work. We are church. I mean, where is it that we don't exist or contribute? They nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. Nowhere. There is not one place we are not present or we don't contribute to the birth of that thing. And so... That's why, you know, your show is so important because women need to have a voice, but they also need to know how to use their voice, not to hurt, not to demean, but to empower and to encourage, you know? And so that's why doing that work is so important because your words are powerful. Um, I have children that I work with that remind me of, the, in fact, my daughter, it's so funny when I'm, I was telling her I was coming on your show, she said, oh, you need to speak to my teacher. When my daughter went off to Clark. And um, she was having, it was hard for her to transition 
to college. And um, she didn't call her first semester and she went to her professor and she goes, you know, can you help me? You know, and uh, it was a female that said to her, look, honey, I'm going through a divorce. You need to figure out what you're going to do. You know, her voice, it still rings true in my daughter's head. What she said to my daughter still affects her. So we need to heal ourselves so the women that we speak into, we can help them grow and not shrink back into the life that we're trying to fight so hard to come out of. Whoa, that is so true, April. When we speak out of our own hurt, even if that's not who that particular professor would have been if she asked that same question three months earlier, six months earlier. But she spoke out of her hurt. Out of her hurt. But she hurt somebody else when she spoke out of her hurt. Yes. And it's so critical that you understand doing nothing sometimes is the softest thing that you could do. Mm. Saying nothing when you're really in that deep place of hurt is the softest thing that you can do. Mm. Yeah. Because you're not you're not you. You're you. You you with this scab that's trying to heal the wound. Right. Correct. Uh, the thing she has, has you as a mom though, April, right? Thank God, huh? Thank God because mm-hmm. it's someone that loves, you know, uh, on her sleeve. You know, she's very impressionable. So that carried her for a long time. Yeah. A lot had, we were her thinking, no, 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 honey. No, no, no. That what she said has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with you. And you have to learn that as you go throughout this life, there's going to be a lot of women or a lot of people to say a lot of things about you. You get to choose what you accept and what you allow. And if you notice, I use you get to a lot because it is a choice, Shirley. It is a choice. Women think that we have to sit and stuff. You get to choose to be happy. You get to choose to be whole. You get to choose to be healthy. You get to choose not to be hurt any longer. You get to choose to redefine how someone thinks about you. And so I use that a lot because I, it's active for me. I get to choose who I want to be friends with. I get to choose who I allow into my life. Okay. And so we don't we don't think that that is a, that is something that should be active in our lives because women that suffer, women who are stuck. You, it's just because you have not chosen. You did not choose what you want for your life. Make the choice. You get to choose it. So choose your happiness. Choose your peace. Choose your joy. It's a choice. And you get to choose it. Oh, man, that was a lot. That was some good stuff, April. Um, and again, I didn't you use the two words you get often. Mm-hmm. I use those two. You get often for that. After, you know, I didn't always do that, but after going through some healing from some things, I realized that I get to choose some things that we get to choose those things that are not popular. If it's good for me, it doesn't have to be popular. Right, exactly. And we can say it fancy. I know how to say it fancy. I know how to say you are able to choose, but I like you. <laughs> yes. From I like to say you get to choose. That That's what resonates with me. For those of you who are fancy, you are able to make a choice. I'm going to put it in the passing way for y'all. So you're going to get it one way or the other. You are able to decide what you want for your life. For me, I can choose what I want for my life. 
So you pick it, you you bring it up and you do whatever you need to do. But the goal here is to just get to a place where you are heard and where you are seen in the spaces and the places where you belong. That's it. So I have to say this when you stay in the spaces and the places where you belong, April, and I'm sure that um, you have something to add to this. You have to know the spaces and the places where you belong. And you have to be okay with walking away and giving up some of the spaces and the places where you are and you know that you don't belong. You know, often we remain in places for different reasons, um, for stature, for consistency, for um, financial reasons, but there are a whole lot of reasons sometimes we remain in these spaces and places. And again, the unpopular thing to do most often is to walk away from that space and that place. Right. Oh, that's so powerful because um, I'm one of those people, Shirley, that I struggled with that for a long time. Yeah, I have four degrees, but I've also grew up, you know, on what we say the other side of the track, right? And so I may not be as polished as some of my, you know, my uh, uh, counterparts or some of the people that I, you know, when I showed up at the school, I remember sitting in groups when I first came in that ministry and everybody would talk about their full experience and their parents that went to college and the generational uh, uh, blessings and, and their education, you know, the levels of education that they had, that they seen through their families, right? That wasn't my story. And so I would try to fit in with all of these people that were not like me. It was only a few of us that had the story of we were first-generation college students. We were, I was neglected and abandoned. I raised myself. It was only maybe two of us that had that story. It was, it was more of them that had the story of the two-parent household, that had the story of uh, we were middle class, that had the story of my mom has a degree. Well, that wasn't my story. And so I found myself trying to fit in places. And then uh, I remember I was asked to speak with a, uh, for a women's organization. And um, I was like, okay. And she told me that it would be like 250 women from all these uh, various industries and backgrounds. First of all, I was like, man, you want little me to speak in this? Why me? You know, these women, some, some who are affluent. And I was like, I don't know about this, right? And surely I struggled with this thing so bad it would keep me up at night. It would keep me up because that voice in my head, because a woman spoke to me that I wasn't good enough, because the voices I had heard and I had allowed in my life told me that I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't good enough for it. Why did you know you're this not trouble long in this space? Uh, I stuck. And I started praying about it. And I almost told the lady, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, I can't do this. And God gave me this Shirley in, in one of my prayer times and seeking him at this. God says, I love the prostitute and the prophet, meaning this, those that are broken, used, abandoned, neglected, rejected. I used her just like I used the one to bring the word. Go forward in my grace and know that wherever I push in, the place and the space you belong. And so that was a huge message because it, what it told me was I get to choose, right? Where I show up how I show up. And even if it's uncomfortable, knowing that when you're on your purpose, you're supposed to go there. God will make a way for you. But knowing when it's not your purpose and it's not where you're supposed to be, I, I can make that decision. I'll leave that space too. Mm -hmm. 
Amen. Amen. And an amen for that. God had to come through for you. You were going to. Ladies and gentlemen, if you know anything about my story and why I started this, it's similar to the, that's not what I do, Lord. That's what I told him. That's not what I do. I am unable to do that. But he uses every last one of us. Every last one he sees as a single individual. You are not a pea in a pod. He sees you in all your glory. He only wants us to see us the way he sees us. We're usable. Yes. We're covered with greats, and that means that, oh, we're so gorgeous. We're beautiful. Yes. Because that's what grace does for us. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was... (laughs) That was extraordinary, like I said, about this conversation. So we talk about leaving with our voices. And I love this question because every guest has such a different take on this. But leaving with her voice has so many contrasts attached to it and all kind of different connotations that could be attached to it. So, April, I'm going to ask you, what does the phrase leaving with her voice mean for you? Leaving with her voice. Uh, Truly, the first thing coming to mind is um, I like to say there's no middle way. When I show up, I'm either going to intimidate or inspire, right? Either way, I'm going to either intimidate somebody there or I'm going to inspire. So leaving with her voice means to me those that get have the blessing of um, interacting with me because I feel like I'm a blessing and I'm a gift to this world. Um, there's something that I will say that will empower them, encourage them. So leaving with my voice means that allowing God to use me to speak a word to another woman's life to help to help her to get unstuck, to help her to get free, to help her to see how beautiful she is, to help her know that God loves her so much so, and that's a dump, right? To help her to know that there's so much more to her, that, you know, you may be operating in passion, but God has a purpose for you. To help her to know that, to learn that no matter who you are and where you are in life, there's another level for you. And so leaving with a voice is, with my voice means to say something that will empower a woman to not only level up, but to level up any cause. She leaves a word. That's what I heard when April described what the phrase leaving with her voice is. She leaves a word. But that word does something for her, for that woman. It ain't just a word or to say a word. It does something for her when we talk about level up. But her word goes past leveling up to evolution. And I think you probably do it so effortlessly now that your word is an evolutionary word. It's never just a leveled up word. It's evolutionary. Because I've heard it today on this episode of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest for this episode has been April D. Grant. This is another episode of When Women Speak with Shirley K. Again, sponsored by Life on Power and the brand What If She Knew She Was Powerful. Produced and managed by Build Your Vision Podcast. April, what are the last words that you like to leave our audience? Those last words. 
Um, I would like to leave uh, and then on this the importance of knowing what, when, and how to speak to another woman. And I think that has a lot to do with discerning. When you discern that a woman is broken, let's not, let's not break her any further. Let's help build her up. When you discern that a woman is struggling, let's not and throw more on her. Let's help her to come forth, you know, come through that. So uh, my last word is just be careful of what you speak to women. And even strong women, that or, or those of us that are seemingly strong, because strong struggle too, right? Strong women struggle too. So let's be careful of the words that we're using on, you know, uh, on, on women. It's, it's, I think now we're in a time that we need to learn more of supporting women and not uh, speaking things that's going to hurt women and tear them down. Let's encourage, let's support, let's congratulate, uh, let's uh, do things that'll help a woman feel better about herself and not tear her down any further than what she's already been torn down. That is a whole word. Strong women struggle too. Don't just check on her. Make sure you don't add to her struggles. Absolutely. April, how, I, how do I guess reach you? How do they get in contact with you? Social media, how do they find you? They can find me on Instagram at levolution underscore coach and also my website, www.aprildgram.com. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, April. This has been another episode of When Women Speak with Shirley Kay. See you next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the When Women Speak podcast, now on the Live Podcast Network.